This is the Milo Sweet Podcast, where you learn to be resourceful, find quick and clever ways to overcome life's challenges, and guess what? Achieve more with less. Use what you have to get where you're trying to go. Learn to do difficult. And for excuses, get rid of them. I mean, all of them. They're dead to me. Let's go. Before we get started, I need your help. If you like the show, please like, subscribe, review, and share. You really like the show? Want to put your money where your mouth is? Click donate. I would love your support. Okay, so today we're going to talk about something a little interesting. I want to know how COVID has been affecting relationships. So this article was published. It's on, it's called hopkinsmedicine.org, and it's associated with Johns Hopkins Medicine. And so the title of it is How to Keep Your Relationship Healthy During the Coronavirus Pandemic, and the expert is Chris Kraft, PhD. So it's not supposed to substitute you actually talking to a psychologist, um, but he is an expert or a psychologist, an expert in relationships and sexuality, and he's sharing some tips. I don't know much about him, but I thought this was interesting. Couples in cabin fever, he was saying like, just don't, you know, get lost in the day, have some, some way to cope and stay committed to um, not losing yourself and like what day, maintain a self-care, you know, routine, keep the work day limited so like make sure you have something that's clear to start the day to end the day be aware of substance abuse and um substance use so like shrooming i guess or too much alcohol um keep an eye on cocktails um or any other thing how many peels you pop in and mixing it with some syrup i don't know so go outside together i love this one because i really like this so like um, you might not be able to go to the gym or spend time together, but going for a regular walk, which I, I really like a lot. Um, and then working together to keep kids occupied. So just having kids at home while you're working, they're working could be super challenging. So he's just saying like plan together to keep them focused, occupied. And then it says, don't count on amazing sex, which I don't know. Let's read what he says. Okay. Staying at home to help contain a dangerous viral pandemic is not exactly a romantic vacation to some okay i'm just kidding (laughs) craft says couples should modify their expectations about sexual intimacy people are distracted and there's a blur between work and home the stress is very real particularly if one or both are dealing with children at home financial concerns job loss or illness affecting a friend or family member these concerns along with the generalized uncertainty about what's going to happen next can interfere with sexual desire okay um broaden your support system so maybe like you know extend it outside of your partner plan something fun uh you can take a drive together plan a special meal it or if you have the resources even make a small purchase that you can both enjoy hashtag sparkling water you ever have like the really fancy sparkling water that's exactly what i love use the time to make things better couples who were in a good place before COVID-19 will have an easier time withstanding the stress of the pandemic but he notes even partners who are struggling before the state 
home mandate began can use this time to work through some of their problems. In the context of sheltering in place, couples can find opportunities to communicate and connect, working through feelings and even those around very painful situations such as infidelity. Plan a relation, uh, make a plan, sorry, make a plan for relationships in crisis. Anyone who feels in danger due to a potential domestic violence situation should have a plan in place to leave and get someplace where they won't be. When couples are apart due to the pandemic, you know, uh, be on your best behavior, ask for help if you need it. Okay, so this was the advice at the beginning of the pandemic, right? Then I just kind of looked at like what is happening to people's relationships. So here's some little tidbits. It's the impact of COVID-19 on relationship conflicts and sexuality. New couples research enhances our understanding. This is a study that was done predominantly um, for heterosexual couples and it's with psychology today and it's not supposed to substitute you seeking like um counsel this is just more for conversation and discussion so basically it said uh, while there are a large number of studies published almost daily about the mental impact of COVID from around the globe less research has looked at the impact on intimate relationships in china divorce filings reportedly increased in the wake of COVID. being confronted with challenges often creates a tipping point where couples can either work on things or have increasing difficulty, though we are adept at maintaining the status quo even when very unhappy for reasons including attachment style and external factors. Um, so basically, how has it affected couples in the United States? So basically, I want to see, like, are people putting this... <laughs> Like information from the first article from Johns Hopkins into play. And based on the study from Psychology Today, it seems like COVID is having a negative effect on intimacy um, and relationships. And it's also having a negative effect on, let's see, um, couples in the U.S., so they asked about demographic characteristics, whether they were expecting elevated relationship tension, to what extent, um, or whether they were experiencing, not expecting, experiencing elevated relationship tension, and to what extent, whether intimate and sexual activity had changed since COVID started. Um, and then basically, people are just not getting together as much and in any way. The other thing that it said was the longer that couples have been together, the more likely they were to succeed. So it says um, couples who can use this research as starting point to discuss relationship conflict and intimacy. Um, and hold on just one second. So those reporting increased co-related conflict also reported significantly higher rates of loneliness and depression, highlighting the interrelationship among overall well-being and sexual relationship satisfaction uh i think it's a little bit higher up okay so the rates of depression and loneliness were significantly higher among those reporting covid conflict older participants were less likely to report conflict and there was no significant difference between relationship conflict for men and women um so they have decreased it says that they're have rates of depression and loneliness were higher but they have decreased intimacy and are three times more likely to satisfy themselves so low which i found interesting like i feel like anything 3x like if you could get 3x the amount of money right now for the year just 3x it i would take it like that's a huge amount 
And COVID's what? It's nine months. I, I'm not sure. But it's been quite a while. So I was like, dang, if you 3X in it, can I can I have that rate of uh, results just not in that category? Um, I also thought it was interesting because they said Americans um, just there was an increased amount of depression and increased amount of loneliness. Um, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that it's not just in America, but just um, that you would think the more that you get to hang out, that the more you're more likely to enjoy each other's company. So I find that that was interesting. I don't know if it's because our work day is so long and we spend it apart for so long that it's hard to be around each other or if the kids or the type of the style of work, what you, it requires you to be able to do. It's very interesting. So I don't really know what that was. So I'm going to read another one. Um, this one is the New York Times and it says, I don't know if my relationship will survive the pandemic. As domestic pressure mount inside homes, we could see an uptick in more breakups, separations, and divorces. I can't take it anymore, I tell my partner of seven years and the father of my two children. Maybe we should start looking for separate places. Then I stormed out of our 700 square. Maybe that's the problem, though. 700 square feet. I understand how expensive it is in New York. I think this is in Brooklyn. And so I'm not saying I, I probably would be in a 700 square foot, 500 square foot, but in my head, I think like how much space you have um, to tackle all the things that you have to tackle could make a huge difference. Then I stormed out of our 700 square foot apartment and took off down our quiet street lines, our quiet line street in Bedford um, neighborhood of Brooklyn. Tears dampened the corners of my mask as I I like how she put or he put mask in here. All that had brought me to this point, considering ending my relationship. It wasn't a twin loss at 19 weeks. It wasn't the several subsequent miscarriages. It wasn't the birth of our two children, a cross-country move, or a contentious NFC championship game between my beloved Seattle Seahawks. It's great. Look, football will do that. Green Bay Packers in January that threatened the longevity of our relationship. It was a pandemic that had left us sheltering place for months. Him risking exposure to continue to provide for our family as an essential worker as I worked from home and picked up the parenting slot. Forced to live in close quarters without access to any outside support or reprieve. Overwhelmed by the additional parenting responsibilities and unable to access any kind of affordable child care. We were fighting more and understanding each other less. Amid all of this, I was left to contemplate whether or not my relationship could find a way to survive COVID. I know I'm not alone. It's not uncommon for me to pursue or peruse um, social media and read a post from a mom asking for guidance as she prepares to tell her partner she wants to separate or a mom filing divorce papers and asking single moms for advice. Studies have shown that financial problems, too much arguing, and an unequal debate uh, you know, in parenting and household responsibilities are among the top reasons couples separate or file for divorce. I, I guess. Okay. So I want to stop here. Like I wonder, and so I'm laughing, not at her situation, but just at the fact that I'm going to stop and ask this question is like, do you think that having a 700 square foot house could contribute to wanting or thinking your relationship wouldn't survive? Like, could it just be the house or should your love encompass or surpass the feeling 
that you have of overwhelm and depression and conflict in your house, um, no matter what size, like should your love just encompass or embody that house where you're just like, we are so in love, conflict can't, can't touch us. Circumstance, so I'm going to keep reading. Just hold that question right there. Circumstances are ripe for the uh, dissolution of parents, um, relationships with um, unemployment rate at 10%, um, plus the country um, having a recession, working moms who were shouldering the majority of child-rearing duties before the onset of the public health crisis being disproportionately affected. So is that the other part? Is that moms are just doing too much? Like before you were doing things, but like now it's just too much expected on you or like should it be even what does even look like or is it more like we we separate and we do tasks should there be a rhythm should it be that you don't go to bed tired is there an expectation not to go to bed tired during COVID if so like you know should like should you guys like okay I guess I wonder okay if your husband let's just say he makes like a million dollars a year and you make you know 70 like does he have to help at home or or is it like yeah I don't care how much you make we both work and you need to help out at home they're your kids too or does he feel like like can he feel like nah dog I'm more valuable at work though so yeah you need to get yeah get those kids together or is that unfair and if it's unfair is it who should quit their job like if if it's like best for one person to focus on the kids like, is it unfair to say, okay, well, hey, I'll, I'll, you know, take on, you know, taking care of the home, um, and you can, you know, do this, and, and then at what point do you just say, forget all this, let's just, uh, you know, hang out and be intimate. Like, at what point does the conflict? I don't know. I just think too much conflict affecting. You being connected to your partner is like, that's kind of silly to me. But okay, wait, that is in a very general general statement. So I don't know your situation. It's more at top of my head. Um, in some situations, I probably could understand um, that. So that's not me saying that. It's just me like thinking from a philosophical view. So I don't have a like harsh statement. I'm really just thinking it through brainstorming. Um, so there's no feelings I have about it I'm literally thinking of them as I go so basically um you know is that to be expected that like that a divorce that relationships won't like um overcome COVID do you have to have like are new relationships screwed okay so let's keep reading um a divorce attorney in Miami said, if you were on the cusp of a divorce before COVID, this is certainly apt to push people to the edge and to fall off. Um, that's what happened to Melanie, 34, a business owner and mom of almost a three-year-old in her four-year marriage. Melanie asked that her name not be used to protect the privacy of her family, as she and her husband have not yet shared their decision to separate with family members or friends. I think the pandemic exasperated existing problems with our relationship by forcing us to live together in what I've described as a pressure cooker. So is living in the house with your spouse a pressure cooker or is it living in the house working with your spouse a pressure cooker with your kids nonstop a pressure cooker or I mean like what part of it is the pressure cooker or is it all of it or could you just be if you guys were like you know like wouldn't it be nice if we could just collect unemployment and just chill for a bit like why y'all figure out the pandemic 
First off, everybody would be traveling. There would be no travel ban freeze. We would just be doing whatever. Cause like, I mean, seriously, are you kidding me? Um, yeah. Okay. So after two weeks, when the fun of adventures of life without daycare got boring and work started piling up, I realized it was over. I miss my friends. I miss being alone. I miss driving by myself anywhere. (laughs) Talk about that. Like if you have kids, you might even just miss going to the restroom alone. Like there is no privacy, like getting dressed a lot, like just things that should be normal. Like, things, like, just simple pleasures. I miss having the last bite of food. Like, you're sitting down. You have a good meal. You are looking forward to the bottom of the bag. The, you know, the chip bag. The bottom of the candy bag. You're looking forward to that those last little crumbs. Sometimes they're the best crumbs. And then a little kid comes over when, you, when it's the last bite. And you have to decide, do I love my kid or do I love these chips more? I think I'm going to side with these chips. And they say, can I have some? <laughs> They're so cute. So, you know, sometimes there's been some conflict around that because they don't always get it. Um, I live here. So I started to get really depressed to the point where I felt like I wasn't a person anymore. And eventually I realized it was because all of my happiness came from things I did outside of my home. Not from a relationship with my husband, I guess. So I know she's putting this here and I know her name, but it's like, if I read this, and I don't know. I would feel some kind of way however okay okay so then the other question part to this is like could you expect for your happiness I don't know her like work life schedule or anything like that but is it weird to expect your happiness to come from somewhere else if you spend most of your time somewhere else like if you spend 60% of your time or 70% of your time in your home with your family with the people you you know you love and care for then is it easier to expect your happiness to, to come from spending that time with them or or is that still not a accurate expectation? Okay. So, I mean, honestly, this is just a hard thing. I think anytime that, you know, people that wanted to make their life together, uh, it doesn't work out or, you know, and there's kids involved. I know some people feel like, well, you know, it's better for the kids. And I don't know. I think kids, I just think kids sometimes don't think like adults. They're just kids. So they just see that I'm with one and the other one's not there. And they don't know how to process that. I don't think so. Um, That's my view on it from what I've read and what I see and what I understand. I just think kids don't process it as eloquently as we do. Um, And in a way, it's wrong for us to think that. So Melanie said that she would have panic attacks when she heard her husband wake up in the morning. Whoa. A time she used to treasure when she commuted to work. I know I'd feel smothered for the rest of the day, she said. I started hiding in my... Mm, now I feel really bad. I started hiding in my bedroom after my our son went to bed just to avoid my husband. I guess... Okay, so... Okay. So, I'm taking her story. First off, I, I'm very... Like, I'm happy to be able to read it and that she shared it. So, I'm not making fun of it at all. But I'm taking it to, like, pick it apart just to think about things um, and to learn from it. Um, I think when people share their stories that... They share it for you to learn. So is there ever evidence like could COVID have been the first time that you had a problem in your relationship and realized or should there or was it evidence before? I mean, because that to me sounds like harsh, but but maybe the changes are so drastic that they're really hard to cope with. And and maybe not having 
those outlets make it so challenging so all this pressure kind of built up i guess like she said pressure cooker okay so a child psychiatrist and associate professor of psychiatry and pediatrics at washington university in st louis explained the anxiety that many of us feel particularly in the setting of the uncertainty from the pandemic can place an enormous strain on relationships between parents especially now that they are faced with making decisions about children's schooling having conflicts or conflicting beliefs on how to navigate the ongoing pandemic is certainly the main factor driving Natalie Rees, a children's book author, social media entrepreneur, and mom of three who lives in Liverpool to reconsider her marriage. Her husband, who is 21 years, her senior, has been fixated on the COVID-19 crisis since its onset and has acted, she said, extreme in his precautions. He is a practical and logical person, but his discoveries scared me and he began to unintentionally pass those fears onto our kids. After five months of isolation, I'm ready to follow my heart and look at mental health as the most important thing for me and my children. This is like not fun to read anymore. It wasn't fun in the beginning. I think I was more exploratory, but now I'm just like getting really sad. I know there are horrible decisions ahead for me and that is causing a lot of pain and I value stability and family is very important to me. I came from a broken home. I have no wish to live separately from my husband, but I also won't allow my children's mental health to suffer. In addition to, a, a like, which, like, is it, I don't know. In addition, I'm going to pause because I don't think that question was the right question. I have to think of a better way to say it. In addition to elongated period of trauma and the politicization of the virus, which has made it that much harder for parents to agree on what is best for themselves and their children, the ongoing disparity, disparity in the distribution of parental labor has also increased the chances of relationship strife. The extra burden on women to manage the household and children and the expectation that is the case explicitly or not can create an unequal power dynamic that values one person's work over the other. Resentment can fester and lead to strain in relationships, particularly the longer this goes on. Some of the disparity in parenting roles is unavoidable, but some isn't. Okay, so that's kind of what I was pointing at earlier was like, what is the balance? Because... I have been at home for a while and some weeks look like, I mean, my life is like very easy and I'm like, yeah. And then other weeks are really hard. Right. So I think that that sometimes is like the natural rhythm to life. Now you do add all these other things onto it and it'd be much more challenging, but I, I like the way that she said it. Um, some of the disparity in parenting roles is unavoidable, but some isn't. Dr. Rogers encourages couples to discuss ways the partner with fewer responsibilities can acknowledge and support the parent who is taking on more tasks. Okay, so I don't know if taking on tasks is the right thing because I've seen people who take on a lot of tasks and they have finished their like tasks that are important or tasks that are important, but like they're not, um, I wouldn't say that they may not be maybe ones that guarantee the most results so like how do you do that or they might not be laborious or they might not be um they might not take as much time or exhaust you they maybe they mentally exhaust you maybe somebody's doing physical labor 
so they're like super exhausted to bend over and put you know the kids in the tub so I guess I'm just wondering like is it based on task or is it also based on the rhythm of life like perhaps they're because I've had hard days like long days and then I have tons of energy and there's times I haven't had a hard day and I haven't done much and it's just a hard day I mean I haven't had like a hard like a lot of hard tasks but at the end of the day I'm pooped you know I'm tired so I guess like is that just the feeling you would ignore that and you just got to do your part anyway I don't know I just wonder how that works out um and I'm asking questions because this is not my scenario. So I think it's important for me not to assume and just to say, like, what does that look like when it's solved? Um, an open and direct line of communication is also vital for parents. Maybe that's maybe that's the bigger part, too, is like how you've communicated before COVID may not work during COVID. Right. And because you're constantly around the person, sometimes the best communication is a little bit of silence and taking a break. And maybe because you can't really quite do that, you constantly have to keep talking about things. Um, there is no way to really just take a break and a rest from it. Um, so maybe that's what makes it challenging. Is that the way you used to communicate before COVID, is it? I think the number one component of well being or a well done healthy parenting plan is flexibility. We're living in times when parents need to be flexible with each other and have to take each other into consideration because a healthy co-parenting relationship relationship is what's best in the best interest of children. Okay, so I think this is like way longer than I thought, um, but I thought this was interesting as well because I feel like this does matter. Like once this is all over, there's going to be an aftermath of what COVID has um and what we're left to deal with so the national law review says um divorce rates in covid um let's see yeah with the divorce rates spiking some couples want to know their options for separating in 2020 covid's impact on relationships relationship counselors consistently rank financial stress boredom like, I guess I just wonder, like, were you not going to be bored with COVID in your home by yourself? I don't know. Maybe you'll have Tinder and that's like not boring. I don't know. I'm just saying like the boredom, I think like you're, you can't do the things that are fun. Boredom, dis disagreements about parenting and arguing about household chores, chores are the most common sources of make the kids clean. Has anyone thought about that? I'm not going to argue about a chore. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to make my kids do it. Point blank, period. I'm not going to... Look, if I do all these things all day and you're just sitting around playing for 12 hours or 8 hours or 4 hours, whatever, you're going to be cleaning for one or two. Anything you can physically, mentally, legally do, you're going to be doing. Um, Like, I think if you live in this house, you work in this house. And that's because one day you're going to have your own house. Uh, so basically... Divorce rates have increased by 34%. Um, so that's insane. And those are the things. Okay, so I wanted to talk about this. This is a much longer podcast than I planned on making. But I really do think that it's something to think about. First off, if you have friends that are experiencing divorce, um, you know, you have to figure out how much you can actually handle um, to be there for them. And I think communicate that. And you might have to figure out unique ways to be there for them because of the strain we're already experiencing. Um, the other part to this is, I think, I don't want to say divorce is contagious, but I don't know if it's not. 
So I feel like if people are having divorce, um, yeah, you want to be there for friends and people you care about, but you also really want to be thoughtful about how you get involved because um, I think when you're like resentful or angry or bitter, and not all people that are divorced are experiencing that, um, but if that is what you're experiencing, like, I mean, I'm reading the article, I think if you have a little seed of that in you, it can be enough, being around it enough could water it and can make it grow. Um, the other thing I want to talk about is that, you know, if your relationship good, it's good, you know, keep doing what's making it good, what's helping you push through. And sometimes that's doing things that are uncomfortable, that don't feel good, that you don't like. And if you're lonely, I just want to say, if you don't, you're not in a relationship and you just listen to this whole podcast, first off, thank you. Thank you so much. But also just know that, I don't know. Okay. So if I was going through COVID without a spouse or without a relationship, I would probably be thinking like, I can't believe they have someone. I wish I had someone. And I guess I would just think like, you know, I, I'm okay. Like sometimes the grass isn't greener. Okay. Sometimes it is. I mean, I know we say like, it's not, but like I've seen people's yard, like some days on a given day, you can look at my yard and you're like, the neighbor's yard is greener. This is how it is. Um, I'm one person. So sometimes that's just how it is. But I would think if I was single, I probably would just feel like a level of contentment to just be grateful for where I'm at in my life. And um, yeah. And for people who have family that are going through this or coworkers um, or just hearing about it, I think to have some compassion. Like, um, I mean, it was interesting at first. Like, I was looking at it like a stat, like, oh, on the news. And then as I read it, I just got really sad. You know, I'm even a little sad now because it's just a really hard time for for people. And to see that, like, maybe some of the most important people and things in your life, that it's one thing that COVID saying you have to separate from them. But the ones you get to spend the time with, you're choosing to separate from them it's just a painful decision so I don't know I feel for them I feel for the kids um I think I think for kids it's it's also hard because they're not fully developed so they don't understand things and um I think sometimes kids see things in absolutes you know they don't understand um and so just all those changes for everyone is just really challenging um And because I also think sometimes because there's so many changes, it's like you don't really know exactly what it was. Like, it could have been the relationship, but like, I don't know if I was in a 700 square foot place with two kids and we were both working from home, I think I would just work outside, like on the lawn and just be like that weird lady. Yeah. Like, what what do they call her? Karen's? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Yeah, no. So, yeah, okay. So, if I could gather any relationship tips, I honestly don't even feel like I'm qualified in that realm. I think I would say, you know, to be more compassionate. And if you're in a challenging situation with your spouse, you know, you have a good foundation, you are feeling safe. And um, it's just, you know, these changes that are, you're learning to navigate them, they're putting extra pressure and stress. I would just slow down. And really think about what's important and why. And spend just as much or more time thinking of solutions and how you want to solve things with these people. 
um, that you care about um, as maybe you think about the problem. Because sometimes the problem is like so overwhelming that you can't get a break from it. That sometimes just taking a moment to think about like all the other things you like about them. And taking time multiple days, multiple times of the day to think about that. Even when it's super busy, I know sometimes you feel like, well, I don't have a second. But if you're ever on social media at all for just no reason or you're Netflixing and chilling, then you probably have some time. Yeah. Or if you ever are cooking, you can take time while you're cooking to think of these things. Um, I think they do make a difference. So reflection in general can increase your productivity by 20%. So if you're trying to solve problems and you're really, or 23%, you weren't looking to solve problems in your relationship and you got 29 problems, well, you can increase that almost, I think it's every 10 days for, um, by 23%. So that means you could solve three problems every 10 days. I know it's weird to look at relationships like that, but it is very practical and logical and just having something to go by could maybe help you feel like that so you can say okay this is in my control what is not in my control now I'm once again I'm totally not qualified to tell you those things this is more from a discussion and I'm just thinking for people that are going through this I think I think have compassion I definitely think you should tell people the truth because I would I would hate for people to that are around me that care and love me and maybe if I'm making a mistake they wouldn't tell me or they wouldn't give me true guidance but I also think just really thinking like man it's just like really hard for people and so yeah so I guess I'm wondering like did that advice that John Hopkins give I mean how many people did it work for did it work for is that while the rest of the people are not getting divorced it worked for them they read it I don't know yeah I would love to know your thoughts on this do you know anybody that is having challenges if so what kind of challenges you don't have to you know be too graphic but you can send me a message anchor.fm slash my sweet podcast to let me know or like are you feeling lonely and then maybe you just felt like okay you know what I can just chill and be content I think sometimes perspective for me helps like you know if I was having relationship problems but I I didn't I wasn't at the point of divorce and I heard this I would think okay um I don't want to say that it's because you look down or or anyone on anyone getting a divorce. I don't think that's it, but just that sometimes learning about other people's scenarios and what they're going through gives you perspective. So it helps you to process and look for solutions and learn from their story, learn what they're doing. And that alone can help you to have gratitude. Like the ability to learn from what they're experiencing, the ability to kind of feel like someone else understands what I'm going through. And maybe I can try this or maybe I can do that. Um, So, yeah, that's all. I am done with this. All right, that's another episode in the books. Hello? Hello? I said, I said it's over. Why are you still listening? Like, seriously. The episode is over. If you're still listening right now, you know what? You're probably a chronic procrastinator. Guess what? I'm still listening to. Come on, for real, seriously. We gotta go do something productive. No, like for real. No, for real, for real. Okay, you can keep listening.